0: Hey there, and thanks for listening to our podcast. Our mission at Hope is to invite everyone to find Jesus and help them move toward the center of God's purpose for their life. Here's this weekend's message. Hello, Hope. How's everybody doing? Okay, we're going to start totally different than that, okay? Hello, Hope. How is everybody doing tonight? See, this is going to be really fun. Online, I know you're applauding too. Uh, We are, Man, I'm just excited to talk to you today. My name is Terry Kelly. If I haven't had the privilege to meet you either here or online, I'm the lead worship and production pastor, so I make everybody sound good. That's all. No, I'm just kidding. They sound good without me. I just help them a little bit, but they are aren't our worship team. Weren't they incredible tonight? So a lot of times I'm on stage, I'm playing, I'm singing, but I got to be back there and, and just listening just so proud. That we have such one a great team, but I know these people, and they're great people, and, and I, I just love them. So anyway, tonight we're going to continue our series on um, "Live No Lies." And last week our campus pastors just did an incredible job across all the campuses. So at McKinney, Eric, and at West, Aaron, at Prosper, Mike, at uh, East, that other guy—I don't know his name. I'm trying to think of his name. Is he here? Oh, is, what's your name? <laughs> you know my name, <laughs> Robert, and then of course, the one and only Mary Salise, our online campus pastors. So they all spoke, did incredible. So I get to follow them up. And I'm doing a, uh, I'm doing a message on um, the enemies of our souls. And so the, the enemy lies to us, and we have these enemies that he uses against us. We're going to talk about those tonight. So as I was working on this message, I was thinking about years ago, something that happened to me. I was I was in a band, so if you, if you know anything about me, I've been in, I was in a band for like a decade, and it was really a fun way to live for some of the time. And at the beginning of the time, it was a lot of hard work. At the beginning, we, had, we would travel around, and we'd go, we'd go three, four hours from our home, and we'd take two cars, we'd fill them up with drums on one, on one car, guitars on the other, and, and stuff like that, and then we'd just drive there. It was a two-man band, two-man operation. We thought we were amazing. And... Uh, So as we got a little better, we actually talked somebody into being our bass player. This was an incredible moment for us. And so we knew we couldn't do two cars anymore because it was too much equipment. And we got a van. This van had purple velour seats. It was so beautiful. If you don't know what velour is, look it up. Nobody uses it anymore. (laughs) Anyway, the van was white and purple. We thought we were doing pretty well. And then we got a fourth member. It's like my family. It's just expanding as we go, you know. So we have a fourth member and we started doing pretty well. We were traveling all over the country. We got to we've gotten to travel as a band to 48 of the 50 states. Now, we don't know what was going on with Wyoming or Hawaii. They just wouldn't have us. But the other ones we got to go and this van went everywhere. And it was a black van. It has a black trailer with it for a while. until we went to New Mexico and then somebody took it and we never had it again. Uh, So somebody has like about 700 CDs that they probably don't want to listen to at all. Um, but this van was incredible. It had four captain chairs. So all four of us could really stretch out, lay back. The two in the back could be watching this TV that was about this big and all the VHS tapes you could want, you could want. We were living in luxury and technology. It was incredible. And so finally I got really, I I think we got smart on the whole deal and we said, you know what, we could actually be flying somewhere. Crunch the numbers, may cost a little bit more, but we could really just put everything on a plane asked them to bring us some drums, some gears. We still have to get our guitars, our cymbals, everything like that. And so one day we had a gig in New York and uh, we had driven to New York. We'd played in New York many times, but this particular time we flew, first time. And so we did our, our, what we were doing there, our concerts, and I can't really totally remember what it exactly was, but we got done, pack up all our luggage, we pack up our guitars, we pack up our our keyboards, we pack up our drums. And we go to the airport. I say we get a cab, and I say, "Take us to the airport." So we get to the airport, and as I get out, we get all of our stuff out. Some of y'all are way ahead of me; I can tell. Um, we we get out, and we are about to get into the airport, and I happen to look down at the ticket. And if you know anything about New York, there are two major airports <laughs> in New York. Yeah, that's how I felt. <laughs> Times ten. So I look at it, and we're at JFK. But we're supposed to be at, as you know, LaGuardia, right? Exactly. Everybody, where were you then? Not, not helpful um, <laughs> now. So anyway, we, if you know anything about me at all, I, mean, I don't like being late. Do you have anybody in your life who, when you go to the movies and you miss the first trailer, it's a disaster? Anybody like that? That's who I am, my poor wife. My poor kids, they have to see me just losing my mind, like, oh, we're going to miss something. Um, it's, so anyway, if we get another van, uh, LaGuardia is, is like 24, 25 miles away. And in New York, that's like an hour. It's going to take forever. And I'm stressing out. And we get there. We unload everything. We get, it, we get through security. We have, our, we have our guitars. We have our cymbals. We have our keys. And we're just flying through the airport. And it's the worst day of my life. I hate this so much. And we make it. I can remember getting on the plane and thinking, I will always look at the ticket for now on because i want to go where i'm supposed to go a ticket defines where we're going and so uh today uh we're going to talk about definitions um definitions are really important we are going to have four definitions and talk about the end of our souls we're going to kind of unpack those real quick but as we as we think about those uh, the person who really talks about these definitions that we're going to talk about the most, two people, is Paul and John. They are disciples, okay? And they write these books that if you ever become, an, if you ever have become a new Christian and you're reading the Gospels and you're reading Acts, you're like, man, this is really fun. These stories are really good. This is, this is like, there's action, there's miracles. And then you get to Acts and they're doing these incredible things. And then you get to Romans and you're like, where are my stories? My stories are gone and I don't understand some of these words. And there's some really important words that we're going to talk about today that Paul is trying to help us with, that John is trying to help us with. And these aren't these disembodied voices. These are people who really love the church. They had built the church alongside other disciples. They had started church, and they're talking to these churches in these letters. And what they're trying to do is help people who have crossed the line of faith live out their faith. They didn't just say, okay, you're a Christian, just wait till you die, it's going to be awesome. No, they said there's a life to be lived in between that's really important. It's a new life, and it's different than your old life. And so he's working this out with them in their communities, in their neighborhoods, in their own lives, and in their families. And so we're going to define four words, but before we do, just bow your heads and let's just pray a prayer, because what we're doing today here is not just talking and listening to somebody talk. But we're asking god to speak to our hearts so we can do what he wants us to do not because we need to do better we don't need anybody to tell us to do better that's not what this is about this is about living the life god has for us the freedom that he has for us can you imagine if your life was a bunch of get-to's instead of have-to's when it comes to god it can be so let's pray lord we love you and we thank you you're amazing you're amazing you're amazing and so we ask you to help us to really, you know, clear some space in our head, in our heart, help us to hear maybe for the first time, maybe for the hundredth time, but we need to hear it fresh and new. God, I ask that you would help us to hear your word and hear what you are trying to say through your servants, Paul, through your servant, John, and through your son, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so first definition And I want to say this before we get started. If you don't know that there's a battle going on, that you have enemies to your soul, it's irrelevant. It's happening. So we might as well define the players and define what's going on. So uh, the flesh is the first one we're going to talk about. You hear it a lot throughout the scripture. It's all in the Old Testament. And the flesh is simply this. It's your skin. It's your body. It's talking about a human being is flesh. And it's a word called basar. You don't have to write it down because you're never going to say it again. But basar is an Old Testament word, a Hebrew word. And then there's another word you're probably never going to say again called sarks, which is the uh, Greek word. And it means exactly the same thing until we get to Paul. And Paul has all this nuance to how he defines things. And so Paul doesn't look at the flesh. When you, We're going to read some, some scripture here. And i want you to i'm hopefully going to read it in a way that you guys you you can you can connect with it in a way that you never have before but when paul talks about the flesh the acts of the flesh how we have to crucify the flesh he's obviously not saying our skin because that would hurt and i don't think he meant that to be what the followers do what he meant was that there's something immaterial inside of us that we can't get away from but it has to be dealt with and the great thing is that jesus dealt with it but we have to be a part of this process so we're going to talk about that uh, it's in us we can't run away from it and it's all, what what the flesh is ultimately so we get away from the idea of skin we move to this it's distorted desires that move away from god the enemy lies to us so that we try to live a life that god didn't mean for us to live And then we live a life that we weren't meant for. And then we wonder why there's so much dissonance. Like, I'm a Christian. I go to church. I even sing one of the three songs every time. And that's not the box we're checking. We're not checking any boxes. But we find that we have these distorted desires, and we all have them. Distorted desires that move away from God. And so the flesh is ultimately the sinful nature. The nature, the movement towards sinning. So, and this isn't going to be a big legalistic, stop doing it, you know. If you know Bob Newhart, stop it. Um, Galatians, that's old. That was old as anything. Um, so ask your grandfather. <laughs> Gal- Galatians five nineteen through 21. Uh, this is from the NIV. And, and here's what Paul says. He says, the first scripture, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, the temptation here is to go, okay, I don't want to miss something. I'm not going to do these things. So I'm going to make this list, and I'm just going to, every time I come, you know, into something like, you know, a fit of rage, I'm just not going to do it. Uh, every time the envy starts, I'm just going to stop. That's the way to lose, right? <laughs> it's like to wait for the moment to happen. Because when the moment happens, you're not ready for it. You're not strong enough for it. But here's what we're going to find, and we're going to get down to a scripture that's really going to highlight this, is that it's about a mindset. So I'll go back to that in a minute here. But not only is this, this, uh, this list, Paul saying, this is the life we're not meant for. And does anybody want this life? Is there anybody here who's like, yeah, I really like jealousy? This is so fun. Fits of rage, my favorite. Nobody. Nobody wants that. Nobody wants that type of life. But the third thing we need to, we need to say about the sinful nature of the flesh is it's in opposition, opposition to God's spirit. So he's not only making, the enemy's not only making you mad, making the God's spirit mad. And vice versa. So there's there's a war going on inside of us. Between the flesh and the spirit. Here's what Paul continues to say Galatians 5, 16 through 18. So I say, walk by the spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. And then he goes on, and here's my favorite list Um, Galatians 5, 22 through 24. But the fruit of the spirit, Is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Does anybody hate that? Man, I hate people who are gentle. They drive me crazy. Nobody said nobody ever. And then he goes on to say, against such things there is no law. See, it's not, it's an I get to, it's a have to. It's not I have to, it's a get-to. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. It's not a mistake that Paul uses exactly the kind of death that Jesus died, he was crucified, that our flesh is supposed to go with him. As when we follow him and he died, that's where our flesh goes. We die. When we have baptismal tanks, our favorite, people are expressing that they've crossed the line of faith. What they're saying there is not, wow, this is a really small pool. They're not doing that. What they're doing is they're saying, when I go under, I'm symbolizing that my old life, the flesh, I leave behind. And I'm being risen up along with Jesus. It's, it's, it's all like it's a theater thing. It's, a, uh, it's, a, it's, it's a, an object uh, lesson for us. And we raise up to new life. And that's what they're saying. They're, so when you become a Christian, it's not so you can just go, going to heaven, going back to this flesh again. But instead of saying, going to heaven, I'm set free from this body of death, this flesh. Not this. But the thing inside of me, that simple nature. And now power because of the Spirit who lives in us. And so what, what he says here is to crucify it. And if we go back to what I said, if you're waiting for the moment to happen, so that you can make a decision not to live in the flesh, you're going to live in the flesh. But if you start to cultivate a mindset of crucifying the flesh, of following the Spirit and living in the Spirit, when those times arise, your decision is already made. And you're already walking in the Spirit, so the flesh looks far away. This is how that works. And for those of us, and I mean all of us, who have spent time in the flesh who spent time doing some of these things on this list, and more. Here's the great thing that I've found about Jesus. And I, I just want to take it aside here, because it's really important. Because somebody sees all these lists, and they go, I've done so many of those. <laughs> I did it on the way here. And the thing I, I, I think that was so attractive about Jesus was this. And, and grab this with me is G- Jesus was, was around a, a lot of sinners. But there was a huge religious thing. Israel was supposed to be called by God to be the light of the world. Essentially, Jesus had to come and actually fulfill that. But they were first supposed to be drawing people from all over the world. It didn't happen because we got real religious. They got real religious. The Pharisees, if you heard of those, the problem, with the Pharisees was that they didn't let people in. They made it harder to come to God, not easier because it was about who was in and who was out. And And it was like their view of holiness was a Pharisee. So this person did all the right things, checked off some of these boxes, didn't do some of these boxes, and yet didn't feel like you could access God through being around them. And what revolutionized everything for sinners, for everybody, was that Jesus was perfect. He was holiness embodied. He didn't do anything wrong but he loved to be around people who had and who did. It's good news, right? Come on, sinners. <laughs> we all need to know that, that the attractive thing about Jesus, what makes him so incredible, is that he was perfect, but I didn't have to be to know him. And he doesn't bring us to him once we get everything right. I know you've heard that because I talk about that here at Hope all the time, but just to say it again, because it's pretty amazing is that we don't get things right and come to Jesus. And he's like, okay, finally, I'm waiting. He didn't wait, because he wants to be with us in whatever state we are. And so it, whatever you are, if you think I'm the worst, I've done all those things, just come. Because Jesus loves, loves sinners. There is favor, Anyway, at least I'm counting on that. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> Uh, moment uh we most of my so let me read this one scripture and we talked about that mindset i want to drive this home for just a minute okay uh romans 8 5 through 11 and i'm going to say the word mind so much you're going to be like oh my gosh i've never seen it so many times in this scripture but there it is if you read it uh romans 8 5 through 11 those who live according to the flesh we know what that means have their minds set on what the flesh desires But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God, but you, and this is what Jesus does with sinners, you, however, are not in the realm of the flesh So, sometimes we think the battle is with our spirit trying real hard to do good and this flesh who really is the bad one. And we've got the devil on our shoulder and we've got this angel on our shoulder, and that's not what's happening. We've got a defeated foe in the flesh because of the cross, and we've got God's spirit in us if we've crossed the line of faith. And so the battle is a little weighted, weighted a little differently than maybe we thought at first. So, everyone, take a deep breath. God's good, right? Okay, we're back to the beginning. I can't believe it. Let's say it again. God's good, right? Uh, oh, wow, my goodness. When, that, was, that was 201 right there. I like that worship. Um, so we have another enemy. It isn't just the flesh that we have to worry about. It's the world. Now, Paul has, there's multiple definitions throughout the whole Bible. It talks about the planet. It talks about land. It talks about its passing away. It talks about a new world coming. But in this situation where Paul really talks and John really talks specifically it's about a moral world and it's immaterial too it surrounds us it's not something we can see just like our flesh but it is all around us so now we have the flesh who's in us and the world that's around us and and John Mark Comer he has a great definition of the world this is going to be really important for us because I want to hit this and then move on is it's a system of morals values and social norms what he doesn't say there is its people yeah, but People you know, do bad things, and they lead me towards bad things. Yeah, but Jesus said that we love people, didn't he? That we love our neighbors as ourselves. And I don't know about you. I've had neighbors that didn't love Jesus, but he told me to love them. So we don't discard the world. We love, that. we love the world. We love the people in the world, but we don't love the system that perhaps that world embra- those people embrace. But there's ways to love them. And I think we have to be more nuanced, more creative in how we reach people and how we, how we connect with our neighbor. Because you may have that neighbor that's up till two in the morning, loud, playing music you don't approve of. And you got some choices to make. You could really just call the police or you could yell at them or you could go over there. Or you remember that Jesus said, love your neighbors. And here's what John says. First John two sixteen. He was the beloved. I love that. I wish... Somebody would call me that all the time. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. We embrace people, not the systems they sometimes embrace. Now, the response of people in the church sometimes has been, let's get out of here. Monks will leave, and they will be gone forever, and they will just check out of society. That's not really what God had in mind. I'm not saying there's some incredible things that have happened, some incredible writings from some monks, but that's not really what God had in mind. But He had us to em- embrace people while we don't embrace the world. Now I remember when I became a Christian, I was 15 years old. I was in school, and uh, I meant when I became, we called it radically saved back then. But it was this light it went from dark to light, it went from death to life. It was incredible. And so what do you do with that? You get rid of all your music. You can't have that bad music. I got rid of all those records. I bought a few of them afterwards. But I got rid of them because I was serious about God. And you can probably tell the era because I just said the word records. Anyway, moving on. Man, I got, I got rid of some of my friends. There were people hanging around that weren't, you know, they were leading me in the wrong direction. Okay, we're doing good. but I still love them, but okay. And I found that some of my demeanor, even though I meant well, was pushing people away. Uh, We did movement in here and our our student ministry incredible job and kids just everywhere uh, worshiping Jesus it was really amazing and (laughs) John said this thing he was speaking Pastor John he goes man I wasn't one of those guys that wore the Jesus t-shirt in high school I was (laughs) big pink purple J-E-S-U-S sleeveless no doubt No muscle tone at all. Not like now. Um, Too loud over there. Uh, And So I I don't know why people didn't want to know Jesus from that shirt. It was goofy. I mean, I think it cost me dates, girlfriends. It didn't. This is what cost me girlfriends right here. (laughs) Get it out of your system. Go ahead. Um, just so you know, I was talking to uh, Mark Ellis, and we we're talking about shirts. And he had a shirt. You know, familiar with the, the rock band Megadeth, metal band? He had Mega Life. <laughs> it's cringy, right? He didn't have any girlfriends either. <laughs> so Mark's running sound, so this may go out at any time right now. Uh, but here's how we deal with the world: we love people in the world. But Paul says it perfect Romans twelve. He says, do not conform to the world. And I love this because it rhymes. There's no way he meant this (laughs) because it was in Greek. Uh, Do not conform to the world, to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And here's how we know that we're not supposed to just remove ourselves from the world. Because John said, or Jesus says, John 17, 15, he says, My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. There is an evil one. There is a devil. He'd love for us to dismiss him because we've seen so many situations where he has red horns and a tail. We should kind of dismiss that because it's stupid. (laughs) But if we dismiss his efforts, the Bible says we're not unaware. We are aware of his schemes plan is for us to be here and not removed and the devil's immaterial too by the way he's not you don't see him or feel him but the flesh the world and the devil are all immaterial and he's a liar and he wants to talk you out of the life God has for you and into the life that's diminished and he's also the destroyer of who God created you to be. He wants to be. You don't have to let him. Here's what John 10:10, 10, 10, the beginning says: the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And I want you to get this: the devil will settle for a diminished version of who God created for you to be. Okay, if I end there, you're like, great message, Terry. <laughs> Who's depressed? <laughs> because now we have the flesh in us. We have the world all around us can't get away from it. And we got the enemy trying to pull strings and get us. Get us to sin, get us to live a diminished life. And here's what Paul says. I love it because it sounds bonkers to me when I read it. And if I, say, if I read it real fast, it's awesome. So I'm going to do that real quick. Romans 7, 15 through 25, not all of it. But he goes, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. And what I hate, I do. And I do what I do... You ever read real fast because you got to do your devotions, you got to get out? This is not the Scripture to do that with. <laughs> Let me slow it down. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, I, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me, for I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is in my sinful nature, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. <sighs> have you ever felt like that? I know spiritual warriors, you just lie. We all feel like that. We've all felt like that. He goes on and on. So he's he, 21, I'm just going to skip. 21, so I find this law at work, although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being I delight in God's law, for I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death, this flesh? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So our fourth definition is redeemer. And redeem is a word that just means to gain or regain possession of something in exchange for payment. And I think we know what that payment was, but I'm gonna go through it because the Redeemer, God, is immaterial too. You can't feel him, can't see him, but guess what? He became material to find us. So the immaterial, the Redeemer, becomes material. And here's how it happens. He becomes, I'm gonna say this real, real quick, so in the back they're gonna go, fast uh he starts out as god with us this is the incarnation it's a word that just means that it's god inside a person it's jesus as a baby god with us the incarnation that's what we celebrate every christmas john 1 14 says the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us we have seen his glory the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth then he becomes god for us this is at the cross and the resurrection this is what we celebrate Good Friday, we celebrate it on Friday. And, uh, and Easter. And so, and then after that, and this is the part people don't talk about. We don't, we don't have a holiday for this, that we celebrate. God in us. There was something called the Ascension, where after Jesus died and rose from the dead, he talks to his disciples because he's going to leave. They thought they were, he was setting up camp with them forever. But it was, he had a different plan. A better plan. And here's what it was. John 16, 5-13. But now I'm going away to the one who sent me, and not one of you is asking where I'm going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. But in fact, it's best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin, the world, and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more judgment will come because the ruler of this world the enemy has already been judged there is so much more I want to tell you but you can't bear it now when the spirit of truth comes he will guide you into all truth so here it is if we went back to that we have a world that we have to live in so God was with us he infiltrated that world phase one Phase two, we've got an enemy that has to be defeated, the the devil, and so he does at the cross and the resurrection. But we still got this flesh. And so Jesus goes to be with the Father, but he sends his spirit to live inside of us, to infiltrate right where the enemy lives, the third enemy, so he could be in us and fight our battle inside of us and alongside of us. So when we say, who can rescue us? Jesus, but we know we've got a part to play in this. And so, here's my final scripture. And it's 1 John 4, 4. And you've heard it if you've been in church for very long at all. The one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. So the one, Jesus, who is in you, that's the spirit we just talked about, is greater than the one, the enemy, who is in the world. Jesus wipes out all three of them and says, I'm greater. And I'm not just greater, but I'm greater in you. Thought you didn't have a, heart, a part to play, but you do, because God is greater in you. You and the devil are greater than the enemies of our soul, the flesh, the world. And the devil so real quick almost done so what do we do with that what's our part what are we supposed to do we just let it happen we just hope we just go thank you jesus i worship move on nah, there's more of that and it's called spiritual practices some people have called them spiritual disciplines i don't like that because if my shoes aren't in the right spot i'm not running that day let, who are we kidding I'm not running at all but I don't like spiritual disciplines I like spiritual practices because we're practicing being with God and when we're around God we're doing something called abide we're, being, we're remaining in him we're being with him and that's how we're connected to the source it's not how we are saved it's not how we're connected or going to heaven but this is how we connect with the life we we're meant for so if you feel a dissonance If you feel far away from God, even though you know you've crossed the line of faith, if you feel that you have a have to religion instead of a get to, spiritual practices, we pray, we spend time with God that way. We read the Bible, we spend time, letting him speak to us through his word. Some fast. sometimes we skip a meal and we pray instead all these spiritual practices but there's one little life hack here there's one that we often miss that is so powerful and i promise you if you practice it it'll change your life it just will and we're going to practice here for real quick not very long but it's a word called stillness there's a story we're a great teacher, a really cool teacher, John, John Orberg, he, was, he went to go visit one of his idols, this great philosopher, theologian named Dallas Willard, one of my favorites. If you see a book by Dallas Willard, buy it, grab it, don't steal it. Just, but get it. It's incredible. He's a, just the guru of what it means to be with Jesus, to, to, to have the fruit of God come out of you. Because we grow. We don't try. We grow. And he sat with him and he, he was like, man, this is it. And he got his notepad and he kind of wrote, he wrote on it he's like, what is, he asked him a question, Dallas, what is the most important thing? What do I need to do to spiritually grow? And Dallas Willard takes his time. He takes a book, he takes a pen. And John Harper's got the pen and he's ready to write. Dallas goes, you need to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life." He's like, got it, perfect. That's one. What else? (laughs) Like, hurry, next one. And Dallas goes, that's it. What a great book. (laughs) Just slow down. One of the things that we are sick in our souls from is that we're so busy. We're either busy with our jobs, work, family, everything crammed in so tight that we're running all the time but if we don't have that guess where else we're running right here we're running here a lot some of us in this room when i said that you just felt yeah to me and paul says change your mindset the mindset of the spirit isn't hurried or rushed it's gentle it's kind and so Instead of being in a hurry to run out of here, can we take just a, not even a minute and be still? Because there's not a scripture that says, be busy and know that I am God. It says, be still and know that I am God. You wanna know God? You wanna know him better? I know you wanna study, and I know it's something I wanna do, be still. Because it isn't that we rush to find God's presence, everywhere it's because we're not present to that presence that we don't connect like we could like god so longs for us to connect and so what we're going to do here in this moment is don't do it yet i'm gonna ask you about your heads so close your eyes and i want you to take stillness but before we do it here's the most powerful prayer that i've ever seen people pray just is for me And it's in the Lord's prayer, it's your kingdom come, your will be done. You want to go for the life that God has for you. You start by saying your kingdom, your rule, let it exist in me. Your kingdom come right now, me. Your kingdom come and your will be done. Have your way. And this is the stillness leads to surrender. You want to know how to defeat the enemies of your soul It's not by warring against them. It's by surrendering to the one who's already defeated them. So you ready for some stillness? Put your phones away. Close your eyes. Let's bow our heads. Lord, I'm going to let people raise their, their heads in a minute. God, as I do, I ask you to bless them. I ask as we look on the screen and we see your kingdom come, your will be done. That'd be true in my friends, be true in me, be true in our families, be true so we can be the neighbors we're meant to be. Because the enemy wants to lie to us and say that we can't do this. We're meant for a life steeped in the flesh, surrounded by the world, with an enemy that gets to pull the strings, and the cross says no. And the spirit that is greater says no. So in the stillness, your kingdom come, your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're going to take 45 seconds. On the screen, they're putting the scripture, and then we're going to sing one more song, and then we're done. Lord, we love you.